So our scripture today is found in Genesis chapter 50, verses 14 through 21. After burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to stay, to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and he wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. First of all, before I talk about our text this morning, um, I thought it'd be good for us to have a little object lesson from the kids' lesson. You know the dirty little secret that the kids' lesson's for you more than the kids, right? You know that? You know? Hopefully, Lori's probably going to kill me for saying that when she gets back, but it really is. Um, but for us, just like we talked about with the kids, when someone hurts us, when someone does wrong to us, we often carry those around with us. We just make it a burden on, upon ourselves. Sometimes they're little rocks. These are the little slights that happen, maybe an off-color comment. Someone didn't intend to. They didn't know they offended you. happens on a daily basis. Some might be more of a medium-sized rock that is a greater offense. Maybe somebody at work spread a bad rumor about you, something like that. Another sales colleague said something bad. But then there's those large rocks. These are the ones that run deep. These are the hurts that go to the core of our being and deep down into our soul. These are the ones that really weigh us down. These are the hurts that are hard to get rid of. Well, for Joseph, he was carrying around one big rock for the majority of his life. Joseph is the son of Jacob, like we mentioned in the passage. He was the 11th son out of 12 of Jacob. He was Jacob's favorite son, and his father made sure everyone knew this fact by giving him this special coat. Many of you know this story, but let's go through it. This is the story before the passage I read. Jacob gives Joseph this multicolored coat to wear to signify that he's the favorite son. And then Joseph doesn't help it either by bragging a little bit about the dream God gave him. God gave him this dream that one day all his brothers would be bowing down before him. And as if any of you come in from a large family or even just have siblings, you know that didn't play out till well at the dinner table, uh, him bragging about this fact. 
So they had a lot of dynamics, to say the least, going on in the family. For one day, finally, his brothers had had enough of it, and so they schemed to kill him. When it eventually turns into a scheme to sell him off to slave traders. And they figure, why not we just sell him off, we'll make a little money, we'll be rid of this little runt, and, and we can take control and be favored of our father once again. And so they sell him off to these Mennonite slave traders. And he, Joseph heads off and ends up in Egypt. He's only 10, 11, 12 years old, and his brothers betrayed him and sold him. Well, it goes on from there. Joseph's story, those of you who know the story, he, he's bought by a man named Potiphar. And he's in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife grows an attraction to Joseph as he gets older and tries to make advances on him. But, what, but when he rebuffs those advances, she falsely accuses him. And he's sent off to prison where he spends many years in prison. But Joseph has this ability, the same ability that got him in trouble with his brothers, of being able to interpret dreams. And the Pharaoh soon catches on to this, and, he be, and Joseph becomes favored status to Pharaoh. And eventually, the story takes this miraculous turn where Joseph becomes an official in Egypt and becomes in charge of all the food stores for Egypt a position of honor. And then as the story goes, there became a famine in the land of Canaan, right next to Egypt in present-day Israel. And when that famine happened, Jacob's, bro- Jacob's sons and Jacob himself traveled to Egypt to find food. And lo and behold, who they see when they get there in charge of the food? Joseph. And understandably so, they were a little shaken by this fact that he was still alive and here he was in a place of prominence and basically had their lives in his hands. Yet, what happens? They beg for forgiveness. They come up with a scheme. There's lots of scheming going on back and forth, but eventually it comes down to this. They ask for forgiveness, and Joseph forgives them. He forgives them of this large rock that they placed in his life. Can you imagine all those years in prison stewing over this? I don't know if I could ever get to a place of forgiveness after having years of being in prison and in slavery and be able to forgive for this large rock that they gave to me. When we hold on to unforgiveness, it leads to bitterness, resentment, and anger. And what happens to that bitterness, resentment, and anger? It turns in inward to depression or outward in some other bad lifestyle choice, or just outright rage. When I was talking to Suzanne about this topic this week, she reminded me uh, of an old saying um, that holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. Isn't that a great old quote? Holding on to anger is like drinking poison ourselves, and we're expecting the other person to die. Isn't that so true when we hold on to all that unforgiveness? It just festers inside of us, and we hold on to it, and it doesn't hurt them. It hurts us. Max Lucado has a quote that says, Forgiveness is not excusing, nor is it pretending, 
To forgive is to move on, not to think about the offense anymore. You don't excuse him, endorse her, or embrace them. You just route thoughts about them through heaven. Revenge is God's job. Wow. That's not easy to do, is it? It is so not easy to do. Well, how we do this? First step, we have to decide to forgive. Same, seems pretty easy, right? But we've got to start somewhere, right? And you've got to make a decision to forgive. And sometimes it's by flat-out faith. You don't feel like it. You don't want to do it. You just by faith say, God, I know I need to do this. I'm going to choose to forgive that person. Because if you're waiting for the feelings to subside before <laughs> to decide to forgive that person, you might be waiting a long time. Because some of our hurts run so deep inside of us that the feelings are going to linger and linger, and they're going to never, maybe never go away, actually. We have to decide to forgive. Um, I recently had one of those times when I had to make a decision to forgive. Um, I've mentioned several times about Jana and I and our family's experience. Or We moved to California in 2008, and then we abruptly had to move back to Texas in 2010. So I apologize if I'm oversharing this story. I know I've shared it a couple times. But um, it is definitely one of those experiences where there's dozens of life lessons learned from it. You don't have any of those, do you? No, probably you guys all lived a perfect life. Uh, but for those who don't know, briefly the story is this. In 2008, we moved to California to help out at a church there. Uh, some people have been asking us for a long time to move and help them out with this church plant in Sacramento, California. We, we decided to make the move. We packed up the family, moved out there. And then six months later, the economy tanked. And from there, the church just went down and down and down. Nope, nothing we were doing differently. It's just people were literally walking away from their houses and losing their jobs and literally had just had to move away. But like any relationship, when everything starts kind of hitting the fan, what happens? People start pointing, <laughs> trying to hold on to something to blame for what's happening to them. And I'm ashamed to say a bunch of professional Christians, pastors, were doing that. We were pointing at each other, trying to look for someone to blame. And it was not a pleasant two years. It finally came to a point where they had to let a few of us go. And unfortunately for our family, it was this, Jan and I got laid off. She was a teacher the very same week. <laughs> um, and we ended up moving back here to Texas. And the blessing is we ended up at Bee Creek. So, uh, yes. But in all that, it ended bitterly. It ended ugly. I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say this because we were a bunch of pastors. The senior pastor didn't even say goodbye to me on the last Sunday I was there. Never said goodbye. We literally just, I just came to my office, packed up, and we were done. Um, and I <laughs> made it a rock in my life. And I carried that rock for four years. Last year, 2014, got a, friend, a call from a friend of mine who was the executive pastor at that church. He was now at a, a church in, up in North Dakota. And he said, hey, heads up. Our old boss is calling around, and he's apologizing. And I want you to take the call because I know you won't. 
Well, he didn't call me, but he got a hold of me via Facebook, which I don't know how because I had blocked him in every way possible. <laughs> but somehow, I don't understand Facebook sometimes, somehow he was still able to instant message me on Facebook. But now I'm glad he was able to because he did apologize. and He said, I'm so sorry for the way things ended. That was not right. Well, I'd like to say that I called him right up and we were best buds after that, but I, le- I couldn't respond right away. I just let it sit for a day, for another day, a couple more days. It ended up being several weeks that I didn't reply. I didn't want to forgive him. I wanted him to stew a little bit more. I wanted him to know he hurt us bad. But God got a hold of my heart. I'm sorry, you're not supposed to cry at these things. Uh, but you can see it affected me deeply. God said, you got to let it go because it's becoming a cancer in you. That rock is growing and it's going to consume you. Man, I didn't mean to cry, Suzanne. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I finally replied back. Thank you for the apology. It means a lot. Um, I pray blessings upon you and your family and your ministry. So hope someday we can sit down and have coffee over this and talk next time in California. And since then, there has been more freedom from all that. And uh, I practiced that several times, and I didn't cry in it. I don't know why I'm crying now. but So we've got to let go of it. You've got to make a decision to let go of it. The next thing is you've got to pray. Just pray, pray, pray. Pray that God's going to heal your heart. Pray that God is going to renew your mind to change your mindset. And I'm going to give you a little tip. It's up there on the screen there. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. We say it every Sunday. We said it today. And, and I think it will be very therapeutic for all of us if every Sunday... We get to that middle section, and instead of just saying that by rote, like sometimes we do, and just we're on automatic pilot, we make it a little mini prayer in the middle of our prayer, and we might be, God might bring to mind that grievance against us, and we can say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and just let it go. Let go of it. I mean, I'm even a little hesitant to say that letting go because right now some of you are thinking that, that darn song that all these four-year-olds are singing, but anyway. I know you thought it. I know you thought it. You've got to let it go. And the last thing is this is you've got to seek help from others. Um, some of these big ones, so big, you're going to need help from other people to get rid of that rock. I'll give you another suggestion. We have a great ministry in our church called Stephen Ministry. They're not trained therapist, but they are trained to come alongside those who are hurting, those who are going through a difficult situation, and to walk with you through it. That's a great first step. Sometimes just talking with somebody about it can be so therapeutic in itself. And they can even help you if they feel like you need to go on to greater help with a therapist. They can help you walk through that. So I'm going to offer that to you. Some of those you hold, hold on to those big hurts that you can maybe get in contact with the Stephen ministry and get a Stephen minister. 
See, for uh, many of us, those big hurts, those big ones, they're going to take a while to get rid of. It's going to be more like chipping away at the big rock than the big rock being removed. Because some of you, have, you're holding on hurts from when you were a kid or when you were first started in, in the business world from that broken relationship. And it's going to take a while to chip away at it. And it's just going to take an act of God. Because I'm here to say that true forgiveness is an act of grace empowered by God. It's a work that God does inside of us. True forgiveness is. We need God's help. It's not a natural act for us to forgive somebody. Because why? We want to get even. That's more natural, isn't it? But God commands us to forgive. He wants us to forgive because He knows it's going to relieve a burden. But we need His work to do it in our lives. A week and a half ago, we all heard the news of the shooting in Charleston. What a horrific event. A 21-year-old white young man goes into a black church, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, on a Bible study on Wednesday night, sits there for an hour with them, and at the end stands up and shoots and kills nine people and injures more. But, you know, did you hear the miraculous story two days later at his initial hearing after he was captured? Family members show up at the hearing, and they're able to speak to him, and the words they speak to him are ones of forgiveness. Anthony Thomas, who is a relative of one of the people killed, said to the shooter, I forgive you, my family forgives you. And we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Do that, and you'll be better off than you are right now. Wow. Yes, wow. I don't know if I could do that. But when asked why he did it, they said, well, we're Christians. God calls us to forgive, so we're going to forgive. Wow. It's not a natural act. It's a supernatural act of God. Now, I'm just going to say this. They probably got more work to do. That was their decision to forgive. But there's going to be more work and pain as they go through the grieving process. But they started that journey of forgiveness by telling him, I, we forgive you. We can't let this rock fester inside our lives. We can't let us weigh us down. Because the longer and longer we carry these rocks, the more entrenched they're going to become, the more bitter we become, the more angry we become, and the more misery we're going to carry with us. So I'm asking you today, can you consider forgiving that person who did you wrong, that caused that large hurt in your life? Can you get to that place where you can say, God, I need your help. I need to forgive this person because it's consuming me and to let it go. And I know some of you today, you're, you're, there's a war going on inside of you right now. You're bristling a little bit because that hurt is strong and it's entrenched. But I beg you to seek God and start that journey of forgiveness for your own sake as much as for the other person. Let's pray. Oh God, we come before you. And uh, first of all, we thank you 
for your grace. We're about ready to sing about your amazing grace, and we thank you for it. Your grace that was extended to each and every one of us who's done wrong. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now you would examine our hearts. Help us, help us to be able to forgive those who've committed an unforgivable sin against us. To take that hurt, to lay it down at your feet, and to walk away. And to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives. As we pray often, we thank you that you don't leave us to be on our own. You're there with us every step of the way. And that's what we're asking for today. In God's glorious name I pray. Amen.